2: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.
0: You're listening to the Dana and Parks podcast on KMBZ.
3: So we were working the phones during the news while Dan was on the air, and we can confirm there was a story from Channel 9. Let me just read this. Uh, Kansas City, Missouri police are investigating the shooting death of a man found in a business parking lot. Officers say they were called to the area of 63rd and Prospect just after midnight on Sunday for a medical emergency. When they arrived, they found 46-year-old John Bartram lying on the ground. EMS took Bartram to the hospital where he died. Police later determined that he had been shot. Detectives are working to learn what led to the 46-year-old's death. If the name John Bartram sounds familiar to you, it did to us as well. And so during the news, and we don't know anything regarding the circumstances that led to John Bartram's death. He was shot to death, according to police. But if that name sounds familiar, it's because you've seen him on television. For years. And you've heard his voice on this radio station for years That is John Bartram, the owner and CEO of Jericho Home Improvements. So Kansas City police
0: do say a person of
3: interest has been taken into custody in
0: connection with the investigation. Uh, But once again, 47-year-old John Bartram, uh, dead of a gunshot wound over the weekend at 63rd and Prospect. As we learn more, we will pass it along to you.
3: All we were able to do during the top of the hour news is confirm that that John Bartram, is indeed the John Bartram that we all here at this radio station know very well and have had a professional business relationship with for well over a decade. And somebody that I know quite well, he is the owner of Jericho Home Improvements and John Bartram uh, has been shot and killed and was found at 63rd and Prospect. May God bless him and may god bless his family. A story here from CNN. Federal officials examining examining the horrifying mid-flight blowout of part of an Alaska Airlines aircraft's fuselage, say the lost piece has been found, a key detail in the investigation of what happened. You think? during the plane's quote explosive decompression, as certain Boeing 737 Max 9s are now grounded, Nationwide. A Portland school teacher by the name of Bob found the refrigerator-sized Boeing 737 fuselage door in his yard and reached out to the National Transportation Safety Board. A manufacturer will sometimes put a door plug in place of an emergency exit door, depending on the configuration requested by an airline. It, It was a door to nowhere, so if you're
0: sitting on the inside of that plane, Scott... It looks like a window, but there's that little outline around the window that looks like a door, but uh-huh. it's not a door. You're, you're still looking out the window. Um, it's a door plug. And then it's 16,000 feet, and we have audio of the moment that this happened in the Dana and Parks folder. If you'll pull it up, the door violently became unattached, flew somewhere over Oregon. Did you save it as plane door bye-bye? Several cell phones, uh, a, a <laughs> child passenger had his shirt ripped off. Several back headrests in that row and beyond that row were ripped straight off, and the cabin door to the cockpit, the depressurization was so violent, it ripped the cabin door off, which is why it is going to sound so noisy when the pilot declares an emergency.
4: Two
2: two thousand seven thousand. Flash 1282 so on the primary radar contact one thousand one five thousand. I maintain one five thousand. Flash, just hold ready two. 1282, contact Seattle Center one two eight point one. Flash at 1282, Seattle Center, climb and
4: maintain the level two three zero. I'm sorry, lost aircraft stay again. Lost aircraft stay again. Center, lost aircraft.
3: I'm I'm assuming at this point the door has been removed. Yes,
0: it is so loud, and she is saying we need to get down to 10,000 feet. We have depressurization. So at this point, all of the masks have come down. Yeah. Passengers up front are like, what is going on back there? And you can just look outside. The door is just gone. The current emergency
4: we need to come down to 10,000 we're just de- we're to 000, we just depressurized. We maintain 10,000, and would need to return back to Portland. 3023 heading
3: to Alaska. Okay, we can't make any of that out.
0: So there's a lot to unpack here. Not the least of which is the fact that the NTSB yesterday described the door as if to say, if you have a large door that left a crater in your yard, <laughs> and you were confused about whether or not it was this door, would you please call us? These are the dimensions. It weighed 50 pounds. We would like it back. But here's what else came out of that NTSB news conference last night. And this is where, Scott, uh, it's, it's it's not what happens and when it happens. It's, it's who knew and when did they know, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. Pilots reported pressurization warnings on three occasions in the month leading up to the loss of that plug door in a brand new Boeing 737 MAX 9.
3: Actually, it had only been in, the, uh, in service for three months and flown yep. 150 times. So
0: pilots reported pressurization warnings three times in the last month. One day earlier than this happening, Alaska pulled the plane's ETOPS certification, meaning those planes couldn't fly long distances over water. Now, we don't know specifically what they knew about what was going on with these planes. And we would need a pilot to call in and talk about what a plane's ETOPS certification means. But Alaska was worried enough about this to tell all of the airline people, we cannot fly this plane over long
3: distances over water right now. Fail lights came on December 7th. January 3rd and January 4th, so as recently as four days ago, on this plane.
0: If, if the other question I think just, and this is why we need our pilots to call in, please, at five eight six seven seven nine eight. In the movies, when a door opens, everyone gets sucked out and dies. It just so happened no one was sitting in row, I think it was row 26. 26B and A. In that correct. seat. And they're not sure if that person missed their flight, canceled the flight, like for whatever reason, that seat was not occupied. By
3: the way, the, the, uh, the only thing that remains from seat 26A is the seat portion. The back rest ripped out is gone, which means that person would have been gone. You, you would think that that's what that means, which also
0: goes to the seriousness and the severity of the pressurization issues that they knew about. Which makes you wonder, if the planes weren't okay to fly over long distances over water, what made them confident enough that it was okay to fly over land? Mm -hmm. And and I think most people would agree, Scott, they got one in a billion shot lucky. That when the door blew off, it was behind the engine, so it didn't get sucked into the engine. That it didn't
3: Mm. harm the structure of the airplane in some way. Yeah, they say uh, there's minimal structural damage to the plane. By the way, the. That is dumb luck. The cockpit voice recorder has already been recorded over.
5: Yeah, because that's something that happens all the time. What? Well, no,
3: the the NTSB addressed this last night. There is nothing on the cockpit voice recorder. We're disappointed, says someone. You think? The, the cockpit voice recorder has been, quote, completely overwritten. Yep.
0: Yep. When that plane landed, by the way, everyone clapped, as you can imagine, uh, because people were saying, oh,
3: sure. You know, I thought this was it. Huh. Uh, cockpit voice recordings are recorded over after two hours.
0: Uh, the NTSB did say last night that's going to change, that they have been urging the airlines to make those recordings 25 uh, hours. 25 hours, so that in the event there, I don't know, is a catastrophe, they have the audio of what was going on up front. You mean like a door blowing but, off? But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like a door blowing off. I, doors I blow off every day? went down a rabbit hole <laughs> on this <laughs> story, you guys, last night that I could not recover from. I mean, I just am so fascinated
5: and <laughs> semi-terrified that, that a door could just fly off. Uh, by the way, ETOPS, Extended Range Twin Engine Operations Performance Standards. Okay. By,
3: by the way, can we talk about the two cell phones that were found on the ground completely yes.
5: intact? I mean, if that's not the next iPhone commercial, I don't know oh, what it is. Oh, you know it will be. Because <laughs> usually mode?
0: when you put like an OtterBox on or like a, a oh, yeah. sleeve over your phone, it says
5: drop tested
0: up to six feet. This one is going to say it was 16,000. <laughs> six,
3: drop tested <laughs> up to 16,000. And they followed the rules. They were both the, in airplane the, mode. The, those... <laughs> <laughs> Those phones are the new Jesus Christ, man. Yes. They die and they keep coming back to life. <laughs> Incredible.
0: I was told airplane mode meant they were durable up to 16,000 feet. Well, That's true. Turns out it is. 913-586-7798. 586-7798. So I want everyone to keep in mind this is far more um, problematic than just Alaska Airlines. These 737 MAX 9s are everywhere across all carriers. And in fact, United Airlines reports this afternoon they have found loose bolts and other parts on their 737 MAX 9 plug doors – as it begins inspections on its fleet of Boeing jets, following what happened on Friday, loose bolts and other parts on the plug doors.
5: Weren't the Max jets the ones that were also plummeting out of the sky? Yes, yeah,
3: so the, the pretty Malaysia sure was. Airlines okay. was a Max 737. The the back to back air of disasters years were also
0: Boeing, and you know I, I have read Scott. And, and we'll get to Jesse here to, to help us understand this, that because they were still sort of in takeoff mode, um, one of the passengers said, you know, we were still, like, tilted back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At 16,000 feet, we were still tilted back. So if everyone had their seatbelts on. That's why no one was getting up, you know, going to the bathroom. Or had this happened at cruising altitude, would everyone not seatbelted in just been sucked out of the plane?
3: Let's go to our expert, Commander retired Jesse Reed, a former Top Gun pilot, joining us on the KMBZ Hotline. Hello, Jesse.
2: Hey, how we doing today?
3: Well, we're doing quite well.
0: How come in the movies <laughs> everyone gets sucked out that hole, but that didn't happen here, Jesse?
2: Well, it wouldn't be a good movie if no one got sucked out of the hole, right? right? No one would watch it. It wouldn't be entertaining.
3: <laughs> Can you stay on a plane with the door open?
2: You could, yeah. I mean, I think what's really fortuitous here is this happened at 16,000 feet and not 35,000 feet? Because, Dana, I think you hit the nail on the head there. If that would have happened up much higher, um, the, the forces and the differential pressure would have been just so much more extreme. And uh, who knows what would have happened then. So I think really kind of a, a real uh, bit of serendipity there.
0: Okay, but not to pin you down on a, a number, but I want to. Yeah. So at 16,000 feet, no one is sucked out, but the seat backs were sucked out, cell phones were sucked out, a kid lost his <clears throat> shirt off his back, um, some headrests were sucked out. How high do you go before we, it, it is a severe fatality incident?
2: Sure. I don't have the exact numbers, but I know once you start getting up into the 20s and just think from like a mountain climber perspective of certain mountains that people can go up and still kind of survive, maybe have supplemental oxygen to help them out. You, you kind of deal with the same thing. There's a certain... A certain point where you get to the time of useful consciousness and you start to get truly hypoxic 16,000 feet isn't quite there I know for most airline um, most most airliners out there 14,000 feet is kind of the the internal pressure if you will where uh, bells and whistles start going off um, masks start dropping from the ceiling typically if the cabin reaches 14,000 feet most airliners are, are pressurized when you're airborne to be somewhere between five and 8,000 feet inside. So that's why your ears pop a little bit when you're climbing, but not not too terribly. Yeah. Um, and, and then, of course, as soon as there's any kind of breach, you know, th- then the entire cabin becomes whatever the outside air pressure is. And that's what, when it happens so rapidly, that's why it's so violent uh, initially. But,
3: uh, Commander, how does a door, A, this is a two-pronged question, how does a door just fall off of a plane? I would hope that these things are inspected prior to takeoff. And there yeah. were there were three warning light incidents. That's what they're calling it. Indicating a pressurization yeah. problem. One in December and two in January on the 3rd and the 4th. So five days ago and four days ago. Would, would, yeah. would that have not been enough to ground that plane, that that specific yeah, plane?
2: That, what, what may come out of this, and I'm not going to speculate. Uh, I, you know, I have lots of friends at Alaska Airlines. And I don't know enough about their maintenance procedures and whatnot, but I'm sure that's going to get looked over with a fine tooth comb. Rightly so, here in the next few weeks. Um, and then, and then what this what this actually was? You guys were talking about it. it it's a plug, and it's not normally when you, when airlines buy um, buy airliners. It's it's almost like when you go to the dealership and you buy a car. You get the initial chassis that's the same but you can buy different bells and whistles and features and whatnot. Yeah. And so Alaska Airlines had a version of this jet because they don't have as many seats on their 737s um that they didn't have as many emergency exits. They're just not required to have as many because they just carry less passengers. And so where normally there would be an emergency uh door, uh door at this location there wasn't one and they just put a plug in there. So just like you said it's just like you're filling in the gap where an emergency door would normally go go with what they call a plug. Um, and so how that fails, I'm not an engineer. I don't know uh, the, 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 the point of failure that's going to occur here, but I think, I think we're all going to learn what it is here pretty soon. <laughs> the,
0: the chair of the National Transportation Safety Board, commander, said last night that the airline decided to restrict the aircraft from long flights over water so, quote, the plane could return very quickly to an airport if that warning light reappeared. Do you have any idea would the FAA have been, you know, when something is going wrong and you're getting several warning lights, you know, three in a month, is there a duty to tell the FAA that, like, what is the chain of command? Because for me, like, and our listeners, when your car says pull over, your tire pressure is very low, you should not be driving – I think the the flying public would like to know that there is some sort of hierarchy when this happens that someone says, now, wait a minute, that warning light is serious enough that we shouldn't be putting passengers on these planes.
2: Yeah. So let me let me say that we have the safest, the safest uh, aviation program in the world is here in the United States. And the FAA sets the regulations as far as how maintenance for different airlines uh, are to proceed with different issues. They set up the periodicity of inspections and, and how many times something can be reported. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the regulations are on this particular um, issue with with cabin pressurization. I can tell you, ETOPS, that is a term every airline pilot is very familiar with, and that relates to basically how far away from shore you can get, and they measure it in in, in terms of time. Usually, it's two hours. Got it. Uh, once, you, once you get two hours away from any kind of divert and you're over water, you're now in what we call ETOPS land, and now you have to have – there's there's an even higher stringent level of inspection and readiness um, that has to occur. And that's not to say that planes that aren't ETOPS qualified aren't in perfectly good shape. It's just they just make you have to check it more often. Got it. Um, yeah, and that's engines and things like that. So.
0: Hey, thank you. Thank you, Commander, for your time so much.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure.
0: Be well, be safe, and uh, it just makes me want to tell everyone be- – Check those bolts on those doors, man.
4: When it's, you it's, said an, to, it's an imperfect world, when you, Dana. <laughs>
0: when you said to the commander, the what would cause a door to fly off? My first thought
3: was bolts. I'm no engineer here. It's going to be the bolts, Scott. N- 913-586-7798. 586-7798. Dana Wright, Sam Stevie the Third. My name is Scott Parks here on KMBZ.
2: Call from mom. Answer it
0: I was listening on my way into work today, and I'm usually pretty in agreement with with John and Jamie with a lot of their topics that they have on the midday program, but I think we are going to disagree with a whopper of a story that came out over the weekend over the defense secretary of the United States, Mm -hmm. apparently going into the hospital for what's been described as an elective procedure. And no one knew. His second in command knew, but she was apparently in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. And they were asking on middays, like, would you be in trouble if you went into the hospital and didn't tell your boss? And I don't think we would be, Scott. I mean, I, obviously, it's obvious when you and I are gone because we're not on the air. And it's not to say that I believe your boss has the right to know what your personal health issues, elective or otherwise might be.
3: Yeah, but you're not the defense secretary either.
0: But that's not the person that's like third in line and has the nuclear codes within uh, a couple of
3: arm's lengths either. A story here from NBC News. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has come under scrutiny from a growing number of congressional lawmakers who are demanding answers after the Defense Department delayed informing administration officials, Congress, and the public about his recent hospitalization. The Pentagon waited three days after Secretary Austin arrived at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center to inform senior officials at the White House of his condition, including that he had spent four days in the ICU. Austin's deputy, Kathleen Hicks, who was on vacation in Puerto Rico at the time, learned about his condition two days after she took over her duties. Representative Elise Stefanik of New York, the number four Republican in the House, calling today for Austin to resign. I agree.
0: You can't defend this. And I have to be, this is not political. We are not making this political.
3: He was still in the hospital as of last night with no date set for his release. People in high places
0: on both sides of the aisle over the years have made bonehead decisions. And I have to be consistent. This is my president. I love this president. Love this administration. He's got to go. If you are in the chain of... Succession and you are out even for a colonoscopy. We have seen this With the where there is a brief transfer of power when any sitting president goes under for even a colonoscopy. You have to have that transfer, quote, just in case. Correct. You know what? I think bolts should be tightened on airplane doors just in case. Is it possible something horrible is going to happen? Yes. Is it probable? Probably not. But what if something did and then all of a sudden, one in a million shot here, the defense secretary is under the knife, is not conscious, the number two isn't even in the continental United States.
3: And for three days, no one in Washington knows it? Well, including the very person who is expected to take his position, his assistant, who was in Puerto Rico, as you mentioned, for two days. He's in the hospital. She has no idea. If I go, Dana, you and I are not in charge of national secrets. Thank God we are not. Nor are we in charge of the national defense. Correct? Uh, 100% correct. If I go into the hospital on a Saturday morning, you will know before Saturday noon. And all we do is host a little dumb talk show.
0: I think for most people they would say, I'm going to give someone a courtesy heads up that I'm going in for a minor procedure. You don't have to say anything more than that. Yeah. And again, we don't have jobs where this where this would matter. I would say the same for any sitting mayor, any, you know, anyone that is in a decision making position, certainly public safety
3: related. Where you never know when those decisions are going to need to be made. Someone else
0: is going to have to step in in your stead to take over. You have to let somebody know if they had just let the White House know, Scott, we wouldn't even be talking about this, that we knew he was going in. There were plans in place. It was three days. It's the fact that the White House wasn't told he's got to go. He's got to go. I don't know this guy from Adam. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He gets to go.
2: You're
3: gonna fire him. Yep. You go in the way right. of that uh, plane door. Bye bye. Uh, well, okay. well, plane door ended up on the ground. Actually, it ended up in you're, you're, a tree. You're, we're talking about throwing the defense secretary out of no, a plane from 16,000 feet. You got to go. Well, that's just that's cold. Not DB Cooper. Are you going to give him a parachute? That's what I said to Scott over the weekend. I go, <laughs> she goes, the door an is airplane door D.B. cooper itself! She did. Um,
0: yeah, I I don't know that there's I, I, another... Um,
3: I, I, I'm struggling, and and normally I don't want to... Dis, uh, d, 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 let me rephrase that. Normally I don't want to agree with you. I'm struggling to find a reason why he should not be fired, or I'm struggling to find a way to justify what happened. And we I, have and to be I,
0: consistent, and I, right? I, I and so... Can't. And if this was some other administration that I couldn't stand, I would have said the same thing. And I was thinking about this today. I don't know this guy. He plays for my team. That's all I know. But you can't leave your post without any succession. He's Was he fourth in line or third? I, b- I believe It would be defen- president,
3: vice president, speaker of the House. And then I believe it's secretary of state. And then, then I believe defense. defense. So I believe he's fourth in line. Let me look up the line of succession. I'm pretty sure he's fourth.
0: Look, anyone in the top ten... If you're going under, you got to tell somebody. Anyone, period, on the list. Have you seen the lone survivor? Because I have. What is the one where they go in and everyone is wiped out in the meeting? What's it called?
3: That's. um,
0: It wasn't very good. I'm going to be honest. With Kiefer Sutherland. You know what I'm talking about. Was it lone survivor? It was was lone survivor.
5: Anyway. Great point from from the text line. There's something fishy going on here because it was an elective surgery that happened on New Year's Day.
0: Well, but I've heard that, and then I've heard the surgery was actually in late December, and so here's the other deal. You could be perfectly healthy, have a reaction to anesthesia, and die. Have you not ever signed that waiver, Scott? Like, they're always like, we're sure you're going to be fine. You are perfectly healthy, but here's a nine-page waiver to sign just in case your heart stops and we can't bring you back. It happens.
3: What we are prone to do on this show is provide you with a little civics lesson. Uh, The defense secretary is sixth in line. All
0: right, let me guess. Okay. So president?
3: No, President's. Vice not, President. The president is notwithstanding.
0: Speaker of the
3: House. That's number two. Secretary of State. No. President pro tem of the Senate oh, is number three. Okay. Patty Murray. Okay. Then Secretary of State is four. Secretary of Treasury is five. Why would we put Treasury ahead of defense? Secretary of Defense is sixth. Attorney General is seventh. Now we have just completed all the major secretaries,
0: right? And then doesn't it go to like so, the
3: supreme some Supreme Court person? So after the attorney, no, no, after the Attorney General Merrick Garland at seven. Who is eighth? Oh God, the Secretary of Agriculture? Or no, something actually, ninth. Silly, ninth is ninth. Yes, there's uh, one person above the. Please Secretary- tell me it's not the Secretary of Education. It is not Secretary of the Interior. Oh, the Interior. Is number eight. Okay. What is ag doing on there? I was joking. Then commerce, labor, HHS, HUD.
0: Do you know a fun fact? I'm almost positive that it was Dan Glickman, the former ag secretary from here, congressman from Western Kansas, that was the one put away during one of the years. Designated survivor. Thank you. Designated survivor. Was one of the ones put away in the bunker? One of the years that everyone gathered for the State of the Union. Oh, darned. This year we're tapping the Ag Secretary. No, they do. Let's hope this ain't the year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't want anything going wrong today.
3: <laughs> no, they I like do. plants. Every major speech, like uh, when the president does the State of the Union, now, when everyone's gathered. There will be one secretary that is not there. And you know you are Mr. Irrelevant or Ms. Irrelevant. Or soon to be Mr. Relevant. Very relevant. Depending on what happens, God forbid. 913 586. Like a door. You don't know how important it is until you don't have it. Seven seven. Screws ni- fall out all the time. It's an imperfect, imperfect world. Point. Five eight six seven seven nine eight. Couple of stories here from the world of news and entertainment. For those of you who watch a lot of cable news, I'm one of you. Uh, there is a mid morning show on CNN, and Sarah Seidner is one of the main anchors. She went to the air today to disclose
4: a personal health battle. To recall the names of eight women who you love and know in your life. Just eight. Count them on your fingers. Statistically, one of them will get or have breast cancer. I am that one in eight in my friend group. I have never been sick a day of my life. I don't smoke, I rarely drink. Breast cancer does not run in my family. And yet here I am with stage three breast cancer. It is hard to say out loud. I am in my second month of chemo treatments and we will do radiation and a double mastectomy. Stage three is not a death sentence anymore for the vast majority of women. But here is the reality that really shocked my system when I started to research more about breast cancer, something I never knew before this diagnosis. If you happen to be a black woman, you are 41% more likely to die from breast cancer than your white counterparts, 41%. So to all my sisters, black and white and brown out there, please, for the love of God, get your mammograms every single year. Do your self-exams. Try to catch it before I did. Now, here's something I could never, ever have predicted would happen to me. I have thanked cancer for choosing me. I'm learning that no matter what hell we go through in life that I am still madly in love with this life. And just being alive feels really different for me now. I am happier because I don't stress about foolish little things that used to annoy me. And now every single day that I breathe another breath, I can celebrate that I am still here with you. I am here with my co-anchors, my colleagues, my family, and I can love and cry and laugh and hope. And that, my dear friends, is enough.
3: Very powerful. Wow. Gutsy. Gutsy play.
0: I think most women know it's one in eight, but I'm glad she was there for the reminder and she's getting treatment. Hope she will be great. Uh, I remember when um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. That was how she announced it. I'm one of the eight. Uh, Real quick, if you are listening in the bonus hour, uh, please know that we are a breaking news station and a weather station and a traffic station, and I do want to pass along that I-70 is now closed at Hayes all the way to Colorado, both east and westbound. Hmm. I-70 now shut down from Hayes to Colorado, and that's from one of our Kansas Highway Patrol troopers. He says it gets worse the farther west you travel, and I know that we are under a severe uh, winter warning. Warning. Mm-hmm. So do all the things that we do when the bad weather's coming our way. Panic and, and drive bad. Drive safe out there, get your bread and
3: milk, and go home. Did you go to the grocery store today? I did not. You didn't get the bread and milk? I did not. You got to get the bread and milk. I got some new boots. Very excited about that.
5: It's not going to be a snow apocalypse. I've never understood this theory that, like, you're not going to be able to get to the grocery store for four straight days or well, something.
3: Well, what I've never understood, and, and I was actually thinking about this morning as I, I was watching uh, Carly Ritter on on Fox 4, and, you know, she's like, when the sun goes down tonight that's when it's going to get really bad blah 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 and i'm thinking to myself do i need to go to the grocery store and i'm like no for what who doesn't have enough food in their house right that they can't survive for three days
5: i mean i have enough white rice to
3: survive for three days i've got enough frozen breaded Fish fillets in the freezer. Right. To get by for four days.
0: Taco Bell packets of sauce. <sighs> I mean, really, if it gets really bad. I don't know if we're going to have time. We all have that sauce drawer where it's like, okay, yep. it who's hoarding <laughs>
4: sauce?
0: Uh, and <laughs> just you've now. Is horse radish and, and, in and, it, there for some reason? This is right before 4 p.m. If you're listening to this in the uh, bonus hour, there are a ton of stalled cars. A couple of wrecks out there, but it's, like, I don't know what's going on with the stalled cars. There's like eight right now. Hmm. So, you know, just. If you don't have to get out, we know the drill here. Don't if get don't out. you don't have to, to get out, don't get out.
3: Uh, the Golden Globe for the most awkward award show host goes to a very hurt Joe Coy, oh, bless his who appears to be licking his wounds today, uh, appearing on Good Morning America 3 after hosting the 81st annual Golden Globe Awards last night, quoting here from Joe Coy, I had fun. You know, it, it was a moment. That I'll always remember. It's a tough room. It was a hard job. I'm not going to lie. As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. Uh, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL. On the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear. It's just
5: where to go to. Here.
0: And, and by the way, that was one that. of his jokes that connected. That Scott, connected? Scott, it oh. was awful. And I, I so awful, we were cringing, and it was just like, oh, bless his heart. Someone said to me online, he didn't know until a few days ago he was hosting. Oh,
3: I'm
5: sure. And so
0: maybe that Maybe
5: Well, I could be wrong, but I believe they tapped on like seven, eight different people who all told the Globes, no, no we're good. No
0: one wants to do it. Yeah. It is a tough room. And you, I mean, oh, it's kind of like, like I said, performing at halftime during the Super Bowl. Why There's not? really only one way to go with your career with right. this and it's down. So
3: why not just go out and just host? Be, be, You don't have to be funny. Just be joyful. Just be the host. Just come out and say, hey, everybody, it's good to be with you or for the, the 81st musical annual. musical
0: montage. Yeah. I, I don't think people, and also... He was making fun of the room. He made fun of the movie Barbie during the year that it's Barbie's year. No one laughed.
3: Uh, Taylor didn't laugh. He he says he was asked later uh, if there was a specific moment that he regrets the most. Coy uh, saying yes. Coy did say that his <laughs> joke about Taylor Swift and the NFL was one of the jokes that fell flat. It was just a weird joke, I guess, quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was more on the NFL. I was trying to make fun of the NFL. Yeah.
1: Maybe he's really funny when he does his stand-up shtick.
0: Uh man, it's well it didn't go across He he does say, quote, he feels bad. Um
5: it... He didn't get slapped out by Will Smith.
3: Yeah. No, but it also wasn't the Oscars. Silver
1: linings. That would have been a funny joke if he said, I really wish somebody would come up here and slap me.
0: (laughs) He swears he had fun doing it, Uh huh. but people watching were not kind. We'll just leave it at that.
5: (laughs) People in the
3: audience weren't kind. Poor guy. I always feel bad for him. And then I don't. Would have been really cool to see Taylor go up there and Punch him right in the kisser. Keep my name out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, right. Dan Weinbaum's <laughs> got the news coming up in less than two minutes. Don't forget to check out the Dana Parks podcast. It is available anytime you want, anywhere you go. Just go to KMBZ.com. We'll see you on the other side of the news.
0: Thanks for listening to the Dana and Parks podcast. Remember, you can catch us online anytime at KMBZ.com.